So part of the reason why we go back to these places and we, and we spend our hard-earned money on burgers, like I remember my, my grandfather, God bless him, whenever we'd say, let's go to Eddie Rockets, he'd say, Eddie, rob your pockets? And we'd say, let's go to Costa, he'd go, like, cost a lot of coffee? He always had these like things for like, for his generation, spending 15 euro on a burger was insane. But the reason why we do this is because we know the value of the hidden power of secret sauce. Now, the power of the Christian life, the power of your Christ follower, and you're someone who loves Jesus, follows him, understand, the power of the Christian life is in us, but not of us. We don't need to, you know, wait or, or pray or whatever. The power of the Christian life is already in us, but not of us. What am I talking about? The secret sauce of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. And what we're talking about over the next four weeks isn't really devotions. Devotions are the tool. What we're talking about is having a relationship with God through God, the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because relationship with God is the purpose of devotion. The Holy Spirit makes relationship with God possible, but the purpose of devotion is to be in relationship with God. Now, you, you may not know a lot about theology or about God or church. Maybe you're new. It's your first time. You're very, very welcome. But you do know something about relationships. And relationships to flourish require a number of things. If you've been married a while, I hope you've been married, you know that relationships require time. Right? And it isn't just time, because how many know married people, especially married men? There's a difference between time and quality time. Now, if you're married, especially you're a man, and you want to stay married, figure the difference out very quickly, or you're dead. Okay? There's a difference between just being around someone, and, you know, I, I'm giving you my time, and being engaged with someone. And really what we're talking about is a daily devotion, essentially, is about spending quality time with God. This idea that, that Christianity isn't a religion, isn't about rules and regulations, it's actually about relationship. And having a daily devotion isn't about ticking off a box or being religious or spiritual, it's about being in a real, authentic, life-changing relationship every single day that works itself out practically and helps us. Because I don't know about you, but I need help. I mean, I've got all these kids, I'm married, got a job, I'm a disaster. Like, I just need help. And the fact that God has made help available by allowing me to be in relationship with Him is incredible. And in one way that we're all searching for happiness, we all want to be happy, one of happy lives, as one person said, the secret sauce, or the secret to true happiness lies within unwavering devotion to God. Now, either you believe that or you don't. I do. I believe the secret to happiness comes in not what we have or where we are or who knows our name or how many followers we have on Instagram. The true secret to happiness is who we belong to. And if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you belong to God. And if you're not one, you can if you so please. And so what we're trying to figure out in this series is what does it look like to live in this this, this state of joy, what does it, it look like to live every single day with the help of the Holy Spirit through a devotional life? To help us kind of understand all this, we've got to go to the base question, ask the question about who is the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, who is the Holy Spirit? And very specifically, and how is He our secret sauce? Like, how is the Holy Spirit our secret sauce? And to help us answer the question, as always, we're going to turn to God's Word, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Again, if you have a Bible app, you can open it. It's there. And of course, all of today's notes are there also. But John 14, verse 16 to 18. Now, let me just give you some context. 
Uh, there's four Gospels. Most of you know this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels because they all give a synopsis of Jesus' life. John's Gospel is a bit different. It's more theological. Now, we know that Matthew and John both knew Jesus personally, walked with him, lived with him. So what they wrote down was actually their eyewitness testimony of what they experienced. Whereas Luke and Mark never met Jesus, they actually told their account based on research. Many scholars believe Mark's account was written from Peter's eyewitness uh, as a follower of Jesus. But John was there. And John's gospel follows a variety of format. For example, from like chapter 13 to chapter 22, which is basically Jesus at the Last Supper, or the Passover, as you want to call it, up until his betrayal and crucifixion, they all have, the, the, those six, seven, eight chapters all happen in like a day and a half, okay? So most of John's gospel is centered around the last moments that Jesus had with his disciples. Because as you know, if you ever lost someone, a loved one, the last moments you spend with someone you love are crucial. They're critical. They're sacred. They're special moments. They're painful, full of heartache and anguish, but there's also something deeply, deeply significant about last moments. And so... John captures in depth the conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples as he breaks the news that he's about to be betrayed, let off, falsely tried, beaten, flogged, and murdered for just being a good person. And not only that, but actually he'll be buried three days and he will rise again. And so his disciples at this point, they're, they're sharing this meal, this last supper, this Passover meal, and, and they're confused. Uh, and they're in anguish, and they're not really sure. Is Jesus speaking metaphorically here? Is he speaking literally? They'll know in a few days it was literal. The point is, they're trying to figure out, how do we be relationally close to Jesus when we're physically distant? But you don't, you don't have that kind of weird thing when you love someone, and you're committed to someone, and they're of you and you're of them, but you're physically distant. There's a sense in where you can still be close to someone relationally, but the longer you spend apart, right, the more you drift away. Why? Because relationship requires quality time. And the same is true for our relationship with God. So the disciples go, well, if you leave us, if you really are about to be killed, then how do we keep this thing going? And Jesus is about to give them the good news, the bittersweet news, in his death. And that is, he is going to send the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you, watch this, another advocate to help you. So what's he called? Advocate. What does he do? Helps us. What's he called? Advocate. What does he do? Helps us. And he will be with you forever. Notice he will not leave you. Now, and this is really interesting. If you're someone who loves theology, this is a really unique verse because in the verse we see the entire trinity. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and the Father will send to you the Holy Spirit. So God is one God in three people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But specifically in this verse, Jesus tells everything about what the Holy Spirit is like. Now let's break it down. The word advocate. That word in Greek is actually the word parakletos. Okay? The parakletos. Para is the Greek word for uh, alongside, with, and kletos comes from the word, the verb kaleos, which means to call out, okay? So, to call out. So, paracletos means to be called along one side. You know, you're kind of living life, doing your thing, and you say, hey, come help me. You're lifting someone, something, you say, hey, come over and give me a hand. That action of calling someone to come help you, that's 
parakletos, or par parakleo. And what's happening here is, is in the in the Greek language, the word was usually uh, usually used to describe someone in a court setting, like a legal person, like a counselor, an advocate, someone stand up for you in court, someone who would fight for you, someone who would defend you, someone who would just be with you no matter what the circumstances are. And Jesus said, this this uh, this advocate, he says, is 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 parakleos. Is someone's going to be a counselor, going to speak to you, give you wisdom. They're going to be someone who, who stands with you, they're going to be a helper. If the Holy Spirit is like this person that comes in and takes your side when you are struggling. We'll skip uh, Heitzig who said, The Holy Spirit is one call to stand constantly by us, and who is ready to take part in everything in which his help is needed. Now, let me give you a really relevant cultural example of what a parakletos actually is. How many of you are following on Instagram the Johnny Depp trial? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Who's this person in this photo? Very good. You all know this guy, right? He's Captain Jack Sparrow. But who's this person? Camille Vasquez. Now who is she? Is anyone watching some of the videos? And tracking along, which how could you not? Because oh, it's been in her face. Whether you like it or not. Um, and again, despite whose side you're on, the point is this: when you watch snippets of the trial, what you see in action is a parakletos, an advocate, advocate. Because the whole time, what she did was she was defending him, looking after him, giving him water, supporting him, reassuring him when things weren't matching, when the truth wasn't being told. She was able to confront that, bring facts ask questions, and ultimately she played a crucial, if not the most important part in the entire trial. She was an advocate. Of course, if most of you don't know what happened in this trial, one person said last week, it's the first time in history a man's ever won an argument against a woman. So there you go. There you go. I can't comment, I don't take sides. But the point is, the Holy Spirit is like an advocate, a counselor, a helper, one that stands with us no matter what we go through. Now, Jesus didn't just say in verse uh, 16 that it was just an advocate. He said it was another advocate. It's the second key word, another. Now, the interesting thing about another is that in the English language, we only have one word for another. What is it? Another. Exactly. Well done. It's, it's the word <laughs> another. We don't have another word. So how do we know the difference between one another and another another? How do we know the difference between one another and another another. We really don't, don't we? We rely on context to understand what we mean when we say, I want another. Now in the Greek language, there were two different words for the word another. The first word is the word alos, very simple. And alos refers to another of the same kind, okay? So I want another of the same kind. The second word for another is the word heteros, and the word heteros means another, but of a different kind. Okay, so alos means one of the... Same. And heteros means one of the... Very good. So, look at this picture with me. Here I'm going to show you a picture of two different hamburgers. Now, can you spot the difference? I'm really making you hungry today, aren't I? <laughs> Those of you who just got McDonald's, you're lovely, you're like, oh, I'm so good right now. The rest of us are starving. Okay. What's the difference? I mean, you can say, one has secret sauce. Well done, well done, well done. But the truth is, we don't know. Now, just imagine you went to your favorite restaurant, okay? And you ordered a burger. And you bit into it, and it was disgusting. 
I mean, it was putrid. It was, you couldn't even swallow it so bad. And you beckon the waiter, here please, come here, and the waiter comes over and you go, I want another, because it's bad. Now, do you want another exactly like that one, or another one is better? Another <laughs> one is better, we use the same word. Now, let's just say in the same restaurant, on another table, someone's eating into the same burger, and they love it. It's amazing. It's like spiritual. It's life-changing. Their whole paradigm has been turned upside down by the quality of this burger. And they call her and say, I want another! How is the waiter supposed to know which one wants which? Because you don't have the word in English. It's all about the context. It's what the facial expression. Those of you who are, who are English are your first language, I feel sorry for you. This is so complicated. I want another. I didn't like it. If there's no caveat, we know what's going on. Whereas the Greek language is easy. If I don't like it, I say, I want another one of a different kind. I don't like this one. It's overcooked, undercooked. The flavor's off. It tastes bad, whatever. But if you love it, you say, I want another of the same kind. It's, it's alos. I want, like, don't change anything. Like, make it exactly same. Which again, this is why we go back to fast food restaurants like McDonald's, like Iraqis, because what we get, hopefully, is we get consistency, isn't it, in the product. We know that when we eat a Big Mac, it's the same every single time, in every single restaurant, in every single part of the world. They are really good at the Allos strategy. They can export it because they have a product that's easy, not easy, but well, and in a quality way, exportable. So we don't have this ability in English to clarify which is which, but the Greek language does. Now where am I going with this? When Jesus said, I will send another advocate, another counselor, another helper, which one was he using? I'll send another of a different kind, a lesser, a psychic, the Holy Spirit, like an energy, a force. <laughs> Or what he's saying, I will send one who is exactly the same as I am. But of course, the word he used there is the word alos. So, for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is, all we have to do is look at Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is exactly the same kind as Jesus. So what did Jesus do? Jesus called his disciples. He walked with them. He taught them. When the world around them was going crazy, he reassured them. He rescued them. He provided for them. He, he gave them wisdom beyond their years. He brought clarity in confusion. Protected them from poor choices. I mean, Jesus did all these amazing things in the flesh with his disciples. But we haven't got off on a lesser deal by having the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is exactly the same in kind as Jesus. He's not the same person. Like I said, the Trinity is God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But he's the same kind as Jesus. Meaning, we're not getting a lesser deal. We're not the ones eating the one euro hamburger when the disciples had the Big Mac. It's like if you have Jesus or you have the Holy Spirit, they're both Big Macs. They're both the best available. We have not been left with less. We've been given exactly the same resource as those first disciples were given. Jesus said, I will send you one just like me who will be a helper, 
an advocate, a counselor. They will fight with you. They will stand in your corner. They will not quit on you. They will not abandon you. They will not judge you. And they will be with you forever. Now what is the nature of this allos, of this same person? He says in verse 17 that he is the spirit of truth. Now, here's the challenge. Maybe you're here at Christ follower and are watching online. And here's the truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. We know this, right? Because so many people who are not people of faith will say, well, when I, when I see it, I'll... When I see it, I'll believe it. So unless I can see it, I won't believe it. Which always fascinates me because I'm like, well, go to the top of the shopping center and throw yourself off of it. And they'll go, that's crazy. And I'll go, why? Because I'll die. Well, why? Because of gravity. I don't believe it. I can't see it. Yes, you can't see gravity, but you can see the effects of gravity. And in us, in our lives as Christ followers, we might be able to see a physical being called the Holy Spirit, but we see every single day the effects of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through imperfect people in a very broken, imperfect world. My dad, as many of you know, my dad, about two weeks ago, went to the Ukraine. He was there on a humanitarian mission. Uh, my father is a, he's a president of a Christian motorcycle gang. And a number of his members in the Ukraine are still there, did not leave the country, and many of those are fighting in the Ukrainian Defense Forces. My dad went over to pray with them and to encourage them. And just, you know, to say, hey, we're with you, we're praying for you. And somehow, all this courage and all this chaos, we believe somehow God is going to work good. Why? Because God didn't start that war, did he? God didn't cause it, or people did. But in the choice that people made to destroy each other, God is working and moving in hearts of men and women to bring good. And there's many stories, incredible stories, of forgiveness and generosity and sacrifice, where even though in the midst of, a, of the most horrible circumstances, the church never left town. In fact, every single pastor I know in Ukraine is still there with their people, praying, serving, reaching, sacrificing. In fact, one pastor I know is even doing ministry with uh, Russian soldiers who were captured. And even they are turning in faith and putting their trust in Jesus. Even the most dire circumstances we see the Holy Spirit at work in our world. We may not see Him, but we see the effect of Him everywhere. And Jesus said that we know Him, the Christ followers, because He lives with you and will be in you. When we put our faith in Jesus, we said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I give you my life. I surrender myself. In that moment, something powerful happens. In a theological sense, it's called the act of regeneration. We who are spiritually dead become alive. And how we become alive again is the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. What was that power? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And in the same way Jesus' physical body was raised back to life in that tomb, the Holy Spirit regenerates our spirit person, our inner, inner person, the moment we put our faith in Jesus. But he doesn't just do a work and leave. He does a work and he comes to stay. He's a helper. He's an advocate. He's a counselor. And he isn't a spirit of truth. He is the definite article. Again, this will be uh, culturally controversial. 
But in a world where people want to have a universalistic point of view, where it's like, you know what, at the end of the day, whatever you believe, you can believe it, and I believe this, and, and all roads lead to heaven. Kind of like back in the day, all dogs go to heaven. But kind of like all dogs don't go to heaven, all roads don't lead to heaven. There is one road. There is one way, and it's narrow. And it's narrow, not because God makes it difficult, because people don't want to hear that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. There isn't all these ways. Like I tell my kids, I can respect that you have a different point of view, but I don't agree with it. And we can't lose in the Western world the ability to talk and converse and to respectfully disagree with people. But if the cost of unity, the cost of collaboration, is that none of our views can actually mean anything, then what is the point of having a view? We should be able to say, no, I see your position, I hear your opinion, I respect the fact that you're different, and in our free, democratic society, you can have that view, but I fundamentally disagree. There is, there is that truth with a capital T. That truth isn't a worldview, isn't a culture, isn't how you're born, isn't you know, how you, how you, what you learn in social media. The truth is a person. That person is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He leads us in truth, and he leads us into truth. Now here's the crazy thing. Just think for a second. All of us want the truth, don't we? Yeah. Like when our kids are lying, we're like, tell me the truth. When, when something's happening that affects our lives in work, or in the, in the world, in general, and we're, we become suspicious of the fact that something's not right there. What do, what do we want there? Truth. When there's been a, an abuse or a misjustice, whether it's in the church or in the government and the world, we, we, we launch tribunals and investigations. Why? Because we value the truth. But truth isn't some subjective thing that's like, well, you see this way, I see that way. That's not truth. That's a perspective. Truth has to be truth, and it has to stand by itself for it to be true. You can say, I don't believe in gravity, and go throw yourself out the building and splat your dead. Good for you. But it doesn't change the fact that gravity is true. This is what science does. Science observes repeatable, predictable truth. But truth isn't an equation. Truth isn't found in a physics class. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And in our hunger for truth, not just the general philosophical, what's the truth of the world, man? Is it aliens? Is Joe Rogan right? Is, 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 is Elon Musk? I mean, like, it's not that kind of... It's more like every single day, when you're faced with decisions to lie, to cheat, to deceive, to go left, to go right, to go up and go down, you're asking yourself the question, what is the truth? Because think about this, truth applied is wisdom. When we have truth and we put it into action, that is a way of defining wisdom. And we want to be wise, right? We want to make wise choices when it comes to who will we marry. We want to make wise choices when it comes to what should I spend the rest of my life working at? We want to make wise choices about where should I put my money right now. We want to make wise choices about how we should raise our kids. But how do we do that every single day? We don't have all the answers. But when we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth living in us, He leads us in truth because He's not a deceiver, and He leads us into truth. The path to truth, the path to living truthfully, isn't some psychedelic book or guru you go see. It's putting your trust in Jesus and learning to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Like I said at the beginning, the power of the Christian life is in us because of the Holy Spirit. But it's not of us. 
We can't conjure up. We don't know. If we knew the way, why would we need anything? Like if human beings were truly self-sufficient, then why are we such a disaster? Any answers? I mean, people make billions and billions of euros every single year writing the same nonsense. Be the real you. You have the power. You can do it, man. You know, all this self-help garbage. And people buy it and drink it and pay for the conference. And they're like, oh, oh, I have the keys. I have the cure. I have it. And it's six months later. Their life is still a disaster. And they go, how much was that for you? I'll shut those anyway. And you think they learned less than two years go by. Here's another guru with some story. He'd been lost in the Amazon jungle and eating mushrooms and had a transcendent experience and downloaded it. It's just nonsense. Listen, there have been a lot of abuses in the name of God, church, and Christianity. I, I admit that. But most people who did those things weren't actually Christians. And you need to admit that. They may have had the name or the worldview, but they weren't following with their heart and soul Jesus. Okay? Here's my point. We have existed for 2,000 years for a reason. The fastest growing faith in the world is Christianity for a reason. The reason why those in the room right now are Christ followers is because we have experienced truth that sets us free. And keeps us free every single day. So next time you're buying a book about mushrooms, think about the Christians you know. They're not perfect. Of course not. Again, if we were perfect, why would we need God? We would be God. The reason why we need God is because we are not perfect. But he who is perfect, he who has power, he who is gracious and generous and is the capital T truth, he speaks to us every single day. The question is not, is he speaking? The question is, are we listening? Jesus said, I will send one just like me. He is the spirit of truth. And he is here to stay. He's here forever. To guide, to comfort, to strengthen, and to help us. It was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, famous preacher and theologian in the 1800s, said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. Now, he doesn't mean useless in the value sense. He means useless in the functional sense. Again, back in his day, ships didn't have engines. They were riding sails. Well, some did. Put it in the modern day vernacular, it's like having, it's like going out and buying a brand new MacBook Pro. Like spending 5,000 euro on a brand new MacBook Pro. Like it's worth all that money and then you lose the blessed charger. <laughs> How good is your five grand MacBook Pro when it has no charger? It's useless. You can look at it, you can appreciate it, you can selfie with it, you can shower with it, you can take it in family hollows with you, you can open it and close it and all these, but at the end of the day, it is essentially useless. Because all the potential in the computers is only as good as the power going to it. In the same way, we as Christians are useless. Not in the value sense. The MacBook Pro, even our charger, come on, is still worth five grand. Right? Now, I ain't selling that thing for 300 euros just because I have no charger. We're going to find a new charger. It doesn't depreciate in value just because the charger's missing, but functionally, it's useless. And for us to live the Christian life and to follow Jesus in school, on the street, in the workplace, we need to be connected 
to the source. We need to be connected to power. We need to realize that God has put in us one just like Jesus. God in us, the Holy Spirit. And every single day, in every single scenario, when it's heartbreak, job loss, health scares, inflation, war, pandemics, whatever it is, when the world is speaking fear, 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 because that is the language of the Western world, fear. And we should not learn that language, friends. We speak a different language. When the world speaks in fear, we speak in fear. We don't ignore it. We're not burying our heads in the sand. We're looking it straight in the eyes and yes, it is what it is, but God is who he is. This is denial. This is some weird, super spiritual like denial. It's like, no, I see it for what it is, but because of my faith, because of the truth, I have a perspective that is greater than what was seen in the physical. The Holy Spirit speaks to us every single day. He comforts. He counsels. He guides. Just like Camille Vasquez. And when she was defending Mr. Dead, she didn't know if he was going to win or lose. She didn't care in a sense. Her job in that moment was to be the best defense that she could be on his behalf. We don't know. I don't know how your story is going to end. God does. But either way, when you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, he is standing in your corner. And he will not leave you. That's why Jesus said the last verse of that book. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, the word orphan is defined as being someone that is deprived of some protection or advantage. To, to fit into today's message, you might say an orphan is someone that has no one to help them. There's a power in your life when you have a father and mother who are good. There's a cover. There's a protection. Some of you are in a stage in life where you've lost your mother or father, I mean physically, and you feel a sense of like, they're gone. Like there's no more cover. Like you are the cover. You're now the next generation. And there's a sense of, you know, loss and, and uncertainty and all these things. But like when you're a kid and your parents abandon you, or don't want you, or are taken from you, you lose that sense of covering, that sense of protection, that sense of security. You're alone in the world, so it seems. And Jesus is saying to us, that when we have the Holy Spirit, by definition, we cannot be orphans. We cannot be orphans. Now, very unfortunately, there are people in the world, maybe somebody here, who actually are literal orphans. Like, you experience tragedy in your life, What's, 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 what's dangerous is when a tragedy that should be part of our story becomes our identity. When you go from being, no, no, I was orphaned as a child, but I'm no longer an orphan now. But when you're orphaned as a child, and you still self-identify as an orphan as an adult, that's a very dangerous way to live your life. It's very hard to love people when you've got an orphan spirit. It's very hard to trust people when you have an orphan spirit. It's very hard to feel security and real peace and purpose when you have an orphan. And he says, you might have even had parents who didn't orphan you physically, but orphaned you emotionally. Who orphaned you spiritually. And the truth is, there are too many spiritual orphans in the world today. Too many people looking, longing, searching, no protection. No sense of belonging. No family. But if you're a Christ follower, and you have the Holy Spirit, you can never 
be an orphan. Because you belong to a heavenly Father who loves you. And even though Jesus left physically, he did not leave, did he? He said, I'm not going to send a backup. I'm going to send one exactly like me. And as we, and again, I don't know if you can understand the Trinity, it's a, it's a mystery. But as we think of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is God in person. Jesus didn't send an angel or some adjutant or some assistant or some whatever. He sent God, the, the Holy Spirit, into our lives. So even though he left, he never leaves us. And the same way, Jesus will never, ever leave you. Father and mother may forsake you, but Jesus will never, ever leave you. And if you're a Christ follower and you put your faith in Jesus, understand there are no orphans in the kingdom of God. There are prodigals. That's a whole different sermon. A prodigal is someone who has a loving father and mother. A prodigal is someone who has protection and provision and a home and a, a, you know, a shelter, but doesn't want it. And runs away. And we all know the classic story of the prodigal son. There are prodigals in the kingdom of God. And maybe you're one of them. And maybe today is your wake-up call to come home. Stop eating the leftovers of the world. And come back to the Father's table where you belong. Because you are a son. And you are a daughter. And you are loved. And you are placed. And God forgives you. And God redeems you. And God welcomes you home. There are definitely prodigals. But there are no orphans. Because every single one of us who is a Christ follower, we have a Father who loves us and looks for us and stands with us and strengthens us. And yeah, when we need it, gives us a slap in the hand. Because we need that, right? Good parenting isn't just saying yes all the time, right? Sometimes we need, we, need, we, need, we need restraint. And you don't have to be an orphan spiritually when God is in your life. Let's read this as we close. We all need help. I love you, but I need help every single day. And the point of this message, as we build up and, and lay a foundation for this series, is that God's help is available to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The secret sauce of the Christian life isn't the songs we sing, isn't the sermons we preach, isn't the branding or the logo or the latest trend or the latest global church group, the secret sauce of the Christian life is the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us if we are Christ followers. And we do daily devotions, as we're going to learn next week and week after, not because they have the power. The devotion isn't the end. The devotion is the means to the end. Now what is the end? The devotion is the means to. What does devotion do? How does it work? Devotion is, is, is a tool that helps us to live in relationship with God. Relationship with God is the purpose of our devotion. A devotional life is the tool that we use to have quality time with God. Every single day. And the more, the more a relationship matures, sometimes quality time is five minutes. Sometimes it's five hours. The point is, time is relevant because when it's quality time, it doesn't really matter. The power isn't in the practice. The power isn't in the act. The power is in the person in whom we're doing it. That is the Holy Spirit. Now if you're here and you're a Christian, that should excite you. That should inspire you. That should be like, man, I 
have help every single day. I should learn how to get better at building this time with God. If you're not a Christ follower, you should think, well, if ever there was a reason to become a Christian, I want to access that encouragement, that strength, that sense of covering, that sense of wisdom every single day in my life. It isn't the devotion that makes us Christian. It's because we're Christian that we do devotion. John R. Burke said this, that the main measure of your devotion to God is not your devotional life. It's your life. The main measure of your devotion to God is not your devotional life. It is your life. And if you're like me, we help every single day. Hey, we are so grateful that you could join us today. We really hope and pray that you were encouraged, that you feel blessed by this message and you know it would really help us if you could click the like button and also subscribe to our channel because we want to get this message across Ireland and the world and that would really really help us so please go and do that um, and also to let you know that you can watch and listen to previous messages and find out a whole bunch of stuff on our website Lighthouse Church and something else that's really cool, Jake. Tell us about something our else. Today. Yes, guys, we have a brand spanking new Lighthouse Church app. Yeah. So make sure to go download it on our website, or you can download it via the app stores. And there's a lot of cool things in there. You can rewatch previous messages, and there's also some downloadable content for you guys. So make sure to download the Lighthouse Church app. And there's also the Old Fashioned Bible on it. Bible is so important. So, and you know what? Even better than this experience today that we've had is church in person. It's just so good. We meet every Sunday morning in Navin and in Dublin. You can find out all the information on our website, uh, but it's at 11 a.m. every Sunday in person and we have the best time. So come join us. Uh, we would love to have you with us. So we'll see you next week for Lighthouse Church Online, 7 p.m. Yes. right here. And also don't forget to follow our social media handles, lighthousechurch.ie. So we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.